Welcome to Girl Flower Podcast with Vic and Jess. We will be having conversations and inspirational chinwags with florists and growers to keep you company in your workspaces, in the car, over a cuppa, or wherever you like to listen. We hope to help you along on your own floral journey. Ah, so this week we are in conversation with Heidi from Behaven Flowers. This was um, a really, really lovely, soft natter. Um, all about beautiful seasonal flowers that are, that are to come this year. Yeah. We started, well, we did record this one before the start of Reef Mania, before Christmas. Um, so we were all feeling a little bit excited for the rush to come. Um, and Heidi talked us through all the seasonal blooms that she's going to be growing this year. Um, so whether or not you're planting for a commercial growing plot or just for your garden, you'll be able to write down a whole list of things that you can grow for to, to keep bees and butterflies and wildlife in your garden for the whole season. So I found I found this one really, really useful. And I now have a shopping list of seeds as long as my arm. Mm, that's yes for sure um not me though because my garden is barren as we all know <laughs> um, but huge thanks to Heidi um also just just very swiftly uh, we do have a few tech issues on this episode um a lot of us were dipping in and out it's mostly me dipping out actually so if you don't hear much of me in there I wasn't just being <laughs> mute I was very much enjoying the conversation um but I did dip out so yeah the sound issues are are there but it's such a wonderful episode so we know you're gonna love it yeah internet connection definitely wasn't our friend when we were recording this one but we we soldiered on and Heidi was wonderful um getting into flowers was actually a later thing for me um I sort of post family and children um children have all grown up and left home although we have one home still when I really got started but um well, I'm really fortunate at the back of my house, we've got a, like a small holding um, where we used to keep ponies and we've got a stable. And anyway, my daughter, she when she sort of went off to uni, kind of lost interest in the two ponies. So they went um, and I still have this nice patch of land. So I thought, well, you know, I really love growing. I've always loved gardening and, you know, did my pots, etc. Um, so I thought, right, okay, well, I'll, I'll put some little raised veggie beds in there, put a deer fence around because if and a rabbit fence because if I didn't, then we, I wouldn't be able to grow anything. So we we sort of fenced in about a, about half an acre, put in a polytunnel, um, got the raised beds in, and I started growing vegetables nicely, um, and that's for a couple of years. And then, like anything, got really enthusiastic hundreds of courgettes, thousands of beans, et cetera. There was, even the farm shop didn't want any more. Um, and actually my, lo- my local farm shop, there was a girl there doing flowers and she said, well, have you thought about, you know, growing more flowers, Heidi? I'll buy off you if you, if you grow more, you know, British flowers. And it's not, I thought about flowers, but it's not something I really had thought about to grow, you know, to sell. Um, and the other thing I was doing as well was starting to learn about bees. So that, that really sort of snowballed from there. I started thinking, when I started keeping the bees, I thought, well, how can I sustain the bees through the season? So I'm not just growing June, July, August. You know, I've got flowers from early spring right through till the end of November, which is when the bees are active. <clears throat> so I did a lot of research and started thinking about all the different varieties of not just flowers, but also shrubs and, and various plants that I could grow that would be flowering around the seasons to sustain the bees. Um, 
so yeah they really took off then and it sort of you know very quickly became an, <laughs> quite an obsession um so I've been growing flowers um and I'm and I'd like to think that I'm growing bee friendly flowers um and I've been growing them sort of quite a lot now since 2016 um and I started selling you know some of the flowers to to, to Paula at the farm shop and um it just sort of went from there really and um I really 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 enjoy it um you're still on your half an acre or, or yeah yeah I mean I, I say um the, the actual flower sort of intensive production so the, the good old sort of you know single um, beds with all, all a single variety are in in the half acre but um, I am fortunate because attached to our, our land we've got four acres of woodland which is you know um, an oak woodland um, and so it's got lots of brambles and it's got lots of nettles but it's also got lovely things like alder and honeysuckle growing in the hedgerow um, lots of beech and hawthorn and um, all sorts really that I can forage you know, on my own plot, um, and that's outside of my fenced bit. Um, and then I've got, of course, I've got quite an established garden at the house as well. So I've got lots of lovely things in there, things like lilac and you know all the all the sort of ornamental type trees and shrubs and things. So yeah, um, it sounds it sounds amazing. It sounds yeah. amazing there. Um, I am very really lucky. Oh yeah. Well, we must come down and and see you and. Maybe I'll even go foraging. You never know. I might bring my snips. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so can we can we go back to um, when you were, were talking about the bees and your interest in bees and things like that? Yeah. Um, what what spurred off that that interest initially? Well, I think as I said, I was growing vegetables at the time, mm-hmm. and um, uh, I I got interested in sort of learning about bees and this is quite quite a way, way back now I've been keeping bees now for about probably nine ten years is that in a um, in hives in hives you're yeah, keeping... in hives, yeah, yeah in hives on my, yeah in my in my plot mm. um and I started off with a mentor it was a friend of the family he said oh well I'll teach you um so um I got I got a beehive and he arranged to um bring me a you know a nuke with a with a with a colony in and basically he would come once a week and give me stuff to read up on, but then get be hands on, you know, get the get into the bees and learn about them. And for me, that was a really nice way of, of learning. Um, because for, for sort of family reasons, get going to a bee club and doing all that is it was, was a bit difficult for me at the time. So um just having this guy that came in every week and went through everything and you know, he went came every week right through the season. And um, that's really how I learned. Mm. And, um, you know, the more competent I got, the less he came. And then he's, and even now, I, you know, if I've got a question, I can always message him and he's really great. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm really, conf- got really confident with a bee. So I went from one hive to, I've got four now, I think. Amazing. Um, and, and, but I think what's been really fascinating is seeing what the bees like and when they're active and what they're out foraging on. And um, I've learned such a lot about growing and what flowers to grow, what plants and shrubs to grow. Um, so pretty much now I've got the got not just my own patch where I'm growing flowers, you know, for florists, et cetera, or for weddings. I'm also, you know, got shrubs growing and perennials. So I'm, I've got some flowers going really in the garden from late February 
right through till November. Um, and the bees are loving it, you know. And then, and and the addition as well is because because I've got bees, I don't use any pesticides because I don't want to, you know, affect affect the bees. And the result of that has been I've now in four or five years got such a tremendous amount of um, wildlife and poll- wild pollinators, wild bees, wild wasps, moths, and butterflies. You know, and I've really seen year by year that that's sort of increasing. And now it's really diverse, and I love that. You know, oh. I really feel that's it's just, quite just a lot kinder, really a lot kinder to nature, isn't it? I mean, for for anyone yeah. out there who who does grow and who who use pesticides, I, I mean, yeah. I don't know anything about it. Um, is is there is there any there any um, any problems when you don't um, grow with pesticides, or have you found that quite? Well, this, yeah. That's a good question because this is what has this is what I've learned actually. The, when I first started doing it, and, and I right from the beginning thought I'm not going to use pesticides. You know, I'm, it, it's so easy. We've got black fly. I think right, I get out the the, the you know the, the pesticide spray um, because you want you know you want your beautiful flowers. You don't want them covered in black fly or whatever. Um, so I used to use the um, trick with the fair, you know, the fairy, or what I should say, washing up liquid, not, not brand, <laughs> washing up liquid in water and use that. But actually, I also read that using that, it affects the, um, the, the, the waterproof oils on bees, particularly things like oh. fluffy bumblebees. You know, they've got oils on their fur. <clears throat> and that, sorry, <clears throat> the... Um, you know, the, the, the diluted washing up liquid, it breaks down the oils on their fur, so it's not good for them. Um, and if they get wet, then, you know, they haven't got the waterproof. So um, I just thought, I just thought I'm, you know, I've got to persist with this and I'll just grow lots of something and then I'll just have to accept that I have an attrition rate and that I will lose some things. Mm. But what has happened over the years is actually, and quite quickly, that's a, because they're a black fly, because they're a raphid, that's attracting a lot of, Predators, you know, pollinators, things like hoverflies and lacewings, ladybirds that come and feed on those. So now, after about three or four years of of really, you know, sticking to my guns, not using anything, I I rarely have a black fly problem because it's all, you know, when they're there, then so are the the, um, predators. It's about getting... The natural balance, right? Isn't it? And, and Definitely. Like, you yeah. lose, win some, you lose some. But once everybody's all yeah. the bugs are there and working together, you um, yeah, you, you kind of get the balance right. And there's also um, companion planting, isn't there? So I was listening to something the other day, and they were saying that actually salvias have quite a uh, strong smell. So if you plant salvias and yeah. roses, you get much less green flies yes. because they don't like the smell. And so instantly I ordered a bit yes. of salvias. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. There are, and there are, there are all, there's just, the thing I love about doing what I'm doing is you just, you can never learn enough. There's always new stuff to learn. Um, so you kind of have to focus on what it is that you, you know, like you said, with the with the predators coming into the to eating the the, the black fly and white fly, etc. So yeah, companion planting is another thing. So um, a lot, of, I think I read somewhere that carrot fly is guided by smell. So again, if you use marigolds, that masks the smell of the carrots, and then it, it you know, that it's less attractive then to the carrot fly. And there's just always these little tips and and things that you can learn. Um, which is fascinating and it 
you do have to persist. I mean, this this summer obviously was really long, really hot and dry, which you know things like the dahlias were suffering. Um, as much as they were getting watered regularly, they were suffering. So because the plant was suffering, that attracted the black fly. So I did have quite a black fly problem for a few weeks. Um, so you have to think, well, okay, how can I get rid of them? So I actually used a jet of water and just jetted them off, which is fine because my patch is it's, it's, it's big, but it's not so big that it would take me probably a, an hour to do that, to go through the patch. Where, But I understand, obviously, if you've got a big, big field for the day, it's not work. But, um, you know, you just, you just keep trying and trial and error and see what works, what doesn't work. So when me and Vic met you very briefly down um, yeah. at Blue Sky Flowers, your flowers are yeah. absolutely beautiful. The quality is absolutely oh. amazing. You know, your varieties were, oh my goodness, oh, just no words. Me and Vic still talk about them and look at pictures of them now. So, so obviously not using any pesticides is not affecting the your stem length or quality or size of blooms at all, is it? No, I mean, you know, as I, I've, I've learned quite a few tips. Um, you know, there are various courses you can do through the flowers and the farm. Um, and so, you know, I've, I've done done some of the online courses. Um, so a lot of a lot of the quality is down to how you grow, knowing what, you know, what to do at the right time, when to sow, when to plant. And, um, you know, use, I use a lot. Of, I always have um, organic compost delivered. So I get all the this time of year, I'm busy prepping all the beds before I plant into them. So I think and there are techniques, obviously, for growing. So, yeah, I mean, trying to combine all that. Um, and do it organically and pesticide free it is a lot of work it's hard work um but you know like you said the, the flowers seem to still grow and still do well and and the quality I, I'm hoping is, is good and the other thing I do as well which I think if you're buying from you know some of the British flower farms like me you're buying stuff that isn't actually perfect it does have a few wiggly stems and it's more unusual um, and I think that's what makes it really attractive to the florist. So, you know, I know for one, Liz, Liz Blue Sky, she, she comes and she just loves wandering around the garden and, and picking out all the, all the sort of wiggly bits and twisted stems. And, yeah, I think she likes that. So. What, one thing I absolutely loved as well, as well as how beautiful your flowers were, was that everything seemed so neatly bundled. Um, the yeah. and lengths were lovely and long and everything was bundled up all all pretty and um, I really love yeah. that 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 for me is like oh yeah. my god everything's been conditioned and it's you know you can see what you've got there um that yeah was, that was a real treat as well <laughs> yeah I mean I think because I'm I'm fairly small scale I'm not you know massive and it's mainly just me I have got I have got one girl that comes and helps um for picking and stuff I try I try to to give flowers that that florists will use and and you know be attracted to because I you know I have done a bit of floristry myself and I've put my florist hat on and I've gone to you know some of the flower the flower market Covent Garden or Flower Vision or some of the other suppliers and actually to me it's quite an education walking in and seeing how you go into the market and you see every type of flower every colour every style it's all beautifully sort of neat and uniform and actually I'm thinking you know that's that's what I'm competing against so I've got to make my flowers attractive to florists 
and make them want to come and buy from me as well. Um, and although we, you know, they're not as perfect, perhaps, um, I just, I try and condition them. I try and get the stem lengths, you know, bundled into sort of bunches of 10 or whatever, and just make it easy for you guys so you can, you know, can come select what you want and um, and take away a, 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 good, a decent quality of bunch of flowers that you can use. Honestly, they, it was, it was beautiful to, to see them come in. Thank you. My my bunch. I know that we had um, some of your flowers and some nettlewood flowers as well. And honestly, oh yeah, Sarah nettlewood as well. She's amazing. Yeah, they lasted such Sorry? a long time. They just all lasted, and they for for ages and ages. And then even there was a stem of scented geranium. I'm not sure which one of you it came from, but it kept going for yeah. such a long time that I divided it up, put it in soil, and I now have five baby plants. So there we are. Oh, amazing! Well, that's great. You know. <laughs> That's a good thing you can do with our flowers is you can use the seeds afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe take cuttings. <laughs> An experiment for me. Um, but just, just going back, so when you first of all started growing flowers, yeah. you said you were selling some to um, a local, was it like a farm shop in bunches there? Yeah, a local farm shop. Yeah. How did you then go from, from selling there to selling in to, to the wider community and and well was it that you went to florists and were selling mostly to florists or were you doing bunches for people to collect how, how did it kind of grow yeah I mean I looked at, I looked at different ways of selling um for me I really love the wholesale side so um it took me a year to work out you know what my channels market would be um and I did think about because I live in quite an affluent village in Surrey and I do I could, you know, really have focused on pushing bunches of flowers in the village. Um, <clears throat> but I do have another farmer, the other side of my village, who everybody knows quite well, Claire Brown from Plant Passion. Oh, yes. And she's kind of in that market. And, um, you know, we're good friends. And, you know, we, we buy bits and stuff. Of her, and I've done some of her courses. And she's amazing. Um, but I thought, you know, actually... Oh, I've lost you. Um, I thought actually, you know, I don't know that I do want to, to really focus on the retail side because what I absolutely love is meeting the florists, yeah. getting a relationship with them. So they, come, they don't just come back every week. I've got, I've got about um, a dozen florists that come regularly um, and probably half a dozen that buy off me every week. And that's what I love. So they come to the, to the farm. They'll, you know, we've got a good relationship. I know what they like and I'll, you know, pick bunches and they'll just come in and trust me to to give them some beautiful flowers to go off and do what they need to do how did you initially make sorry. those connections sorry sorry I keep cutting out um how did you yeah, yeah. make well, those connections with with the florists well to, to, to be fair through Instagram mainly um a couple of, I mean there's one a, a farm shop in Surrey called Kingfisher Farm Shop which is the most amazing farm shop um and Mary, the lady that runs it, it's a, it's a family business. It's been in her family, I think, two generations. Um, but the, she very much supports local growers. And um, it was actually Paula from the other flower shop said to me, well, you must go and meet Marion and, you know, she'll buy from you. So I went over and, and sort of took a, took a bunch of flowers and samples and said, you know, would you like, oh, yes, yes, that would be amazing. And then, you know, I sent her an availability list in the season every week and, and she orders from me. Um, but I think that's important. And if I was giving anybody tips on how to really get going with the growing and supplying, is build relationships with your customers and 
you know, really kind of look after them um, and be responsive to them, understand their needs. Um, and I think that, you know, that is what's worked. So, and I've done that with a couple of other florists as well. Um, there's Zeta L's in London. Yeah. And Q near Q. And, um, you know, I'll, I'll take a, a van of flowers up to her and another florist, Dom in Chiswick, um, potpourri flowers. And I'll just, they just trust me. They just give me a budget every week. And then I turn up every week with, you know, few, quite a few buckets of various flowers. And they love that. They absolutely love that. And, and Marion said the same, you know, we look forward to seeing what treats you come with this week. Because it's very seasonal. Um, certainly with Marion as well. And she really tries to support local growers. And sometimes when I'm delivering there on a Tuesday morning, you know, she's got... Um, the old guy up the road that you know specializes in just growing dahlias and he'll come with his buckets of dahlias and then you know a few weeks later somebody will be coming with they just grow sweet peas and she really tries and she does the same with the farm shop and the vegetables to buy from local growers and I think that's what's I think that's what's really important for local you know local businesses to buy from local growers mm. um, and then you're supporting the whole community and your customers are accessing you know local produce um, which is, you know, far more sustainable. It's slightly um, about educating your, your customers as well to begin with. So people that haven't bought British before, I would imagine yeah. like, rather than having a list and ordering yeah. 10 stems of this, five stems of this, blah, 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 it's kind of having uh, a budget and a colour scheme, isn't it, rather than an exact stem count because we're very, you know, growing in England we're very much guided by the weather and you can promise something one day and then have a howling storm come through and have no petals left by the morning. <laughs> <laughs> definitely definitely um yeah I think it was was it British Flowers Week I think it was not obviously not this year because it was a bit of a write-off last year you know everyone was geared up for British Flowers Week and I had orders just wall-to-wall -wall orders so I mean I was out picking at 4, 4.30 in the morning, getting to fill my orders. But it absolutely lashed with rain. And um, it's quite funny. I think if you look back through my Instagram, you can see in, <laughs> there in the middle of June, at like 4.30 in the morning in all my water breeze, <laughs> trying to pick really wet sort of my jeller and stuff like that. But it just goes with the territory, you know, and I, I, whether it's raining or whether it's blowing a gale or whether, you know, you're, you're um, tall, um, some flowers have been flattened by a girl, you know, you've got to get out there quickly, yeah. <laughs> strip them off and make them look pretty. <laughs> so, um, so, wait, wait so yeah, you've got to be really night. adaptable. So you wake up in the middle of the night and you hear the wind. Yeah. Oh no, I've got a wedding in the morning, wet weather gear on. Out no. <laughs> oh no, because I don't go to sleep. I just lie there and think, where's it going to get light? Where can I get oh. out there? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. It's not all. It's not all floaty dresses and you know wafting through beautiful bunches of flowers. Flower farming. It's anything but. You know, it's 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 hard graft. Um, but for, so, for some reason, I just totally love it. Yeah. <laughs> really do. So let's move on to when you added floristry into your into your business. Was it like a skill that you just um, acquired as you were as you were cutting and, and growing these flowers or have you did you go and kind of have a course a crash course in how to do a bouquet yeah well I'm just I don't know I'm just one of those people probably you know too modest for my own good but I just think 
well, if she, you know, I can do that. You know, you're looking through Instagram and you see all these amazing things. You think, yeah, I can do that. And it's not until you actually start trying to do that that you realize you can't. <laughs> so um, I thought, as, you know, I really want to get into the head of florists. And there's a very, very particular style, I think, that suits British flowers. Um, so there are some big names out there that, you know, I can, Forenza and, um, you know, um, Simply by Arrangement, Moss and Stone, all those I love what they do. And I thought, you know, I need to I need to learn. I need to learn their techniques. So, yes, I've done a couple of the courses, um, which for me just really gave me heaps of confidence and believe in what I'm doing. Um, and it also taught me to look at things differently, look at actually, you know, it's not just about growing perfect stems, straight stems of so-and-so. You know, you can go and pick bracken from a from a wood or you can use you know very twisty stems and curly willow or hazel or whatever to really create some absolutely incredible installations I really wanted to learn how to do that um more for more about for the growing but also I actually really enjoy and I've, I've done a few weddings not not the really big high-end budget ones but um the ones that barns and um, and marquees. I mean, our flowers suit marquee weddings so well because if you go and you know get flowers from the market, they're all chilled and perfect and flown from wherever, um, and put them in a, a hot marquee in the middle of July in the middle of a field, all <laughs> kind of wilt. Whereas my guys are up there, stood in the baking heat, you know, growing happily away. Um, so if I pick them and put them put them in a hot marquee, they're, they're fine. They don't, don't have any issue with that. So, you know, that's that's why I wanted to learn how to do it, what grows well, what works well, because that's really the, the market that I want to target is, you know, marquee weddings, barn weddings, um, which is, is great for our field-grown flowers. They, they work really well. Yeah. It's strange, I'd never really thought about that, how that you said that yeah. it's suited to you know but, uh, but like warm barns and things in the summer because yeah that's the thing when I yeah when I've ever done weddings where it's searing heat I'm going oh it's yes. such a the blower on in here but yeah they're already yeah. they're sturdy they're sturdy boys aren't they already so absolutely yeah yeah amazing and they can look beautiful I mean what really set me off with weddings is my own daughter's wedding um because by that time she she got married in June 2017 um so anyway she's she, I think she got engaged, I don't know, Christmas 2015. It was just when I was starting to grow flowers and think about growing flowers. So um, anyway, her husband actually, or her fiancé at the time, decided oh, my little flower field at the back would be the perfect place to have their wedding. Wow. <laughs> um, you know, at, at the time it was all sort of, you know, quite scraggy, um, quite, you know, bits of patches of weeds that have been... It was, it was quite untidy because, as I said, I'm, I'm very um, organic and, you know, not, not, I'm not a neat, tidy person. <laughs> so I did have a bit of a meltdown thinking, oh, my God, how am I going to make this nice enough and pretty enough and tidy enough in June? You know, anyway, I, I figured it out. Um, and they had a pole tent or pole marquee on the patch, in the middle of the patch, surrounded by my flower beds in June 2017. Um, and I grew all the flowers for it. And that's really what kicked me off, thinking, I want to do more weddings. This is great fun. It was really stressful. It was really hot that June. Um, oh, my God. I mean, it was I, – I had to hire – I did have to hire an air conditioner for one of the little barns um, 
for the day because I picked so many flowers, you know, earlier in the week and um, had to keep them cool. And then we had, to, you know, I had a, a couple of friends help me put all the bouquets together. We decorated the marquee um, and it, it looked amazing. It was, I was so happy, but, um, but yeah, the flowers, the flowers lasted the day and, and they were, they were fine. So I thought, yeah, that's, that's what I can do. Yeah. So pre-COVID, what was um, what's your like goal of wedding like still a year? You kind of reached that goal. COVID. Yeah, um, I I mean I thought about there. Are, you know, there are a lot of amazingly talented florists in around my area because my area really is sort of um, Surrey and Southwest London, um, and I thought you know what the what there isn't a lot of are the lower lower end lower budget weddings you know people that maybe are having a marquee or in a mum and dad's garden or they haven't got a lot of massive budget or lots to spend so actually I started doing wedding packages so it'd be you know I'd do the bouquets the buttonholes uh, the bridesmaid bouquets maybe a thank you bouquet and then buckets of flowers mixed flowers for DIY decorating and that was really popular last year um and I had a lot of lots of weddings because they're, they're they're nice weddings to do you know you 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 are guided by the sort of colors you know but they're not allowed to say right well I want you know the x y and z flowers they've got to basically have what's what's in season and what's available um but yeah I, I, I do buckets of mixed flowers for, for self-decorating and then you know I'll basically pick out with the bride the sort, sort of color theme that she wants um, and that worked really well. And I did, I think I did 16 weddings last year. Amazing. Um, which was great. And I love that. Um, so this year, of course, I thought, right, okay, well, I'm, I'm going to do more of that. And then, of course, COVID. How has it actually looked for you? What's, yeah, obviously. Well, it's... February and March, I, you know, I've got my ranunculus in the gar- in the ground, the tulips in the ground, you know, and I'd invested a lot of money. They were all the seedlings were all growing. I'm thinking, God, you know, what is going to happen? Because... But because I've got had a good relationship with quite a few local florists who are also wedding florists and were affected badly, so bit by bit they started setting up um, subscription flowers. Right. And you know, it, it sort of turned out I think this this summer that people have been able to go out for meals, they haven't been able to go on holiday, they're feeling rubbish, so they want to cheer themselves up. What what can we do? We can well let's buy some flowers. Um, so of course, I think with the Dutch markets and imports being affected, suddenly <laughs> I was overrun with people wanting to buy my flowers. I think it's I think I've just have never been so busy, um, which has been amazing. Um, and it's been lovely seeing the girls who, you know, have been furloughed from their florists or, you know, some are working in Tesco's part time just to sort of make ends meet. And then this coming on a on a Thursday morning, getting a load of buckets of flats, making up the bouquets and then delivering them out on subscriptions on there, mm. you know, and to keep them going. Mm. Um, I've, I've been really thankful for that. Um, but, yeah, it's been it's been a real... So I'm hoping next season we'll go back to some, some weddings um, as well. <laughs> I was going to ask, actually, so, you know, saying you've never been as busy as, as this year is, is brilliant. So I'm assuming then you're... Yeah you're planting you've just carried on as normal but in the hope that um if weddings don't go ahead you'll still be able to sell the way you did this year well I think earlier in the year just nobody really knew how long I mean I I, I think if 
we we went we February it started surfacing this this whole thing um and um I did have weddings booked this summer so I thought well you know who knows maybe, and I think at the time sort of February March oh well it's going to last at least June and we were all horrified you know oh my god it's going to last all June <laughs> um so I thought well okay fine you know I'm just going to plant anyway I've got these plants here what the hell even if I have to pick them all and give them away to cheer people up I'm just going to grow them um but I think so I think I started selling at the beginning of May and it, we were still in lockdown and I, we had to I had to really think carefully how uh, because my husband actually is in a higher risk group he's in the vulnerable category so well, how can I do this safely so basically it was just me growing the flowers picking the flowers conditioning them, prepping them into mixed buckets. And I was only doing, at that point, only doing mixed buckets. So you could, you know, the first come and buy mixed buckets from me. So I picked them all, um, told everybody that's what I'm doing. And they, if they wanted to order, they had to pick them up from my gate. So I literally would go down, put the buckets of flowers at my front gate. They would come in their vans, pick them out of, pick, pick up the flowers out of the buckets, put it into their buckets and then drive off. <laughs> that's it. And they would pay online. Actually, it worked really well. It worked so well because they were safe, I was safe, everybody was happy, um, and that's that's what we did. And then um, when did we come out of lockdown? I can't even remember now. Um, then then there was all you know all, all the weddings that I had booked this year were all, are all postponed. A couple had to cancel unfortunately because they had to, you know use their wedding savings to to manage. Um, but, but I think the rest have all rebooked next year. Um, but yeah, I think I, when did when did the sort of like small wedding start up again? It was sort of August, wasn't it? September. Oh, so there were a few of those that I just honestly this this year I just can't think what's happened. But um, so yeah, there were a few florists that did a few weddings, but I didn't do any this year. Um, but you've still planned. But no, it, it worked. Tulips and things for next year. Planted all my ranunculus. Yeah, yeah. Did all my dahlias, and I I think pretty much. I don't think there was any any weeks that I didn't ha- I had anything left over. Um, I mean, you're going to go. You're yeah, going to go all guns blazing with with the normal amount of flowers that you you normally plant. That's that's how it's yeah. going to be going ahead. That's amazing. Yeah, and I've I've got a, I've got a couple of people who um, are going to help me part time next season for picking and stuff. Um, and yeah, every every year I seem to scale up. And my patch <laughs> just gets bigger and bigger um but yeah it's it is a commitment but I as I said I, I really enjoy it it's really good yeah, so I'm so, so being right I'm, at the very beginning and I'm, I'm doing all the hard stuff of digging in mud and putting um perennials and shrubs in and honestly I'm just totally yeah. in love with it you know I'm looking forward to the night nice I think that I've been I've been following your little patch, Jess, and it's looking—it's looking good. Oh my God, your polytunnels and stuff, amazing! But um, are you doing the no dig method on your beds? Um, yeah, so some of them, I—it's really, really good fertile soil. So at the moment, I'm just planting yeah. in, and where I've got a big patch where I—I um, I haven't planted where all the annuals are going to go. I have just cardboarded and manured over the top. Um, next yeah. year, I'm definitely going to work out how to no dig my tulips because that was a big trench to dig. <laughs> oh, tulips! I don't know that you can get away with no digging on tulips. <laughs> I, did, I did try and I did try and cheat. Was it this year and put quite a lot in pots? 
and then we had that ridiculously hot spring I think I don't know if you can remember back to sort of end of March, April, it was really, really hot. And I had quite a lot of tulips in pots, big pots. I thought, well, I'll grow them there. And I don't know what happened. I think they got too hot or something, or I neglected them to, to water them. Anyway, they didn't do very well. So this season, I've gone back to the old dig it up, put it, oh. line it with gravel, put all the tulips in. Uh, it's hard work. And I don't grow a lot of tulips um, for the florist actually I generally just grow enough tulips for me to do for my for the sort of DIY weddings I'm doing only because you know the Dutch have got that market so corners and, and you know they know what they're doing and to compete with that and it's, it's such a lot of work to, to grow tulips I think well Jess you'll know by, by digging yours you know the amount of effort you've got to put in to get really lovely tulips <laughs> they're kind of I kind of think of them as a loss leader. That they're sort of there. You know, you think of the hours, and I mean, just the tulip bulbs themselves are quite an investment. I think Jess was going in with tulips purely so she could have some flowers happening soon. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. anything I just grow something. Yeah, just grow. <laughs> I do. I need there's a lot you can grow in spring. Well, I'm. I'm there's le- a lot of things you can grow in spring. So, and I know you've got all your seasonal stuff down there. So, talk us through. Talk us, tell, tell us what you're growing in spring. Right, okay, so I've, I've had to make a list here. <laughs> I've got to remember. Um, so um, earlier in the season, so if you, and, and this is basically, I've worked this out through having something in flower for my bees. Um, but actually, if you've got it in flowers for your bees and you've got enough, then you can pick them for bouquets as well. Oh, so it's kind of like, it's a win-win. Um, but basically, so February, March, you know, the bees are loving catkins, Heather, Pussy Willow, uh, Comfrey, and um, and then obviously you've got anemones. Muscari is a must for for um, bees. They absolutely love that. Um, and then you've got obviously hyacinths, hellebores, crocus. Um, and then I think it's really good if you can is think about what trees are in flower as well, or shrubs. Um, and try and what I've tried to do for the last few seasons actually is you know in February March when there's not a lot of colour then what if you you know find out what's what's flowering in the season and this season I bought an acacia tree which flowers it's actually from Hawaii of some bizarre reason it flowers in February March so I bought an acacia tree with these beautiful um little um yellow flowers so it's, it's a lovely tree. It's it's one of those, you know, plant it and leave it, forget about it type trees. Um, but it's got lovely flowers and lovely foliage. So I'm looking forward to next several springs now of acacia flowers. <laughs> um, and then going on sort of to April, we've got curly willow, hazel, and um, I've got a beautiful, I can't just say it, amelanchia tree um, with lovely blossoms. Viburnums, Fatinia red robin. I don't know that that, oh, that yeah, has a flower, that. and it actually, if you cut all the leaves off, the flowers are actually, and particularly when they're in bud, they're so beautiful. So I bought those. Um, Sorry, I was going to say, so what you is, is a lot of um, uh, trees and shrubs, haven't you? And the space, and yeah. the space to plant them. Yeah, they're yeah. I'm hoping one day to have more of that. Yeah, I mean, if you know, if you are growing in a field. 
um, presumably you need some kind of break, some wind break or something. It, I, it depends where you. So it's a good idea to have like a long row of shrubs or trees along the edge, you know, just to protect the, the, the flowers. So if you have got a howling wind battering in, you know, it's not going to bulldoze your sunflowers or ammy if, if you've got a bit of a wind break there. Um, so, yeah, shrubs are a good investment. And, you know, yeah, they're perhaps a bit more expensive in the, in the beginning to invest. But I definitely, if you can, you know, pick four or five shrubs every season and then within three or four years you'll have a really good collection in it and shrubs are really important I think for sort of early on in the seasoning and later in the season that's when they really come into their own um so yeah I mean then you know going through sort of May and June you've got all the annuals um but some some shrubs that I I also sort of cut from in May are the wisteria the laburnum lilac We've got apple blossoms. One of the plants I absolutely love is a tamarisk. And if you look on my Instagram page in sort of May, it's this big floaty, pink, fluffy, long branches, which are absolutely beautiful. Um, and the florists love that. And in the in the in the sort of summer months, it's green, so it's really good foliage plant as well. Oh my goodness, so it's cool. beautiful. I'm just having a look now. Yeah. yeah. Oh tamarisk. Right, Jess. Jess, write it down on the list, please. <laughs> Gorgeous. Really lovely. Yeah, it's the, oh. and that's at the same time as the snowball viburnums. Mm. That's my favourite. Um, yeah, Wygelia. Um, so, yeah, there's lots. Um, lilac as well. I've got some amazing lilacs. I absolutely love lilac. And it's so funny, whenever I post lilac, people message me and say, oh, how do you get it to, to not wilt when you pick it? It's important when you pick lilac in flower. Generally, I like to pick it in slight bud rather than when it's in full flower. Mm. You have to pick it early in the morning or late in the evening. Don't pick it in the heat of the day because it will just wilt. And you literally, when you cut it, straight into a bucket of water. Um, and it, it will last ages then. But if you if you pick it in the day and you leave it out of water while you're, you're doing other stuff, mm. by the time you get it into your bucket, it's going to wilt. So it's really important early in the morning or late in the evening. That's a very good tip. I'm so desperate for lilac. I love it, um, but I'm also very impatient. So I'm waiting till uh, till I'm a, till I've sold something, <laughs> so I've got some money to buy yeah. the biggest one I possibly can. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, if you are planting shrubs as well um, or trees, it's important you do it at the right time of year, and particularly with the you know. The fact that our summers have been so long and hot and dry, um, it's important when you're planting trees and shrubs, you do it in the in the winter months. So any time from sort of November through till the end of March, um, because that gives them a good chance to, to establish root. Um, otherwise, if you're planting them after that, sort of in the, in the late spring, summer, you spend your whole summer watering them, trying to keep them going. Um, so it's really important that you do plant them in the winter months. So, yeah, and then obviously going into June, you've got, you know, you've got so much choice then. You know, you've got your your, your biannuals, you've got your annuals. Um, so um, in June, I've got roses and euphorbias are really, really good to have. Asparagus, um, foxgloves, scabious, borage, achelia, catenash, um, lavenders, oxide daisies and burplurum. They're uh, all, all really good. And um, and August, then obviously you're into your Fabina bonuaris, sunflowers, agastache, echinops, um, 
some flowering herbs, fennel, dill, um, and the collaret dahlias. Just, just hearing you read that list is making me long for flowers and summer and walking through, yeah. walking through a flower garden with bees humming and just feeling really like crows. You know, I'm, I'm all, yeah, I, I really like all the seasons, but when you start listing flowers, I'm like, oh God, I just want it to be summer. <laughs> We've got so many must-haves. I've got a must-have list as long as, long as my arm. Um, but gradually, you know, year by year, Jess, because I started off like you, just, just a little corner, a little patch that I've just built on. And you'd be amazed how quickly you grow that. Grow in uh, in size and content, literally. Oh, um, and it, and it, and every year, you know, and I see what other people are posting, other flower growers, and I think, oh yeah, I can grow that. And um, I mean, for, for one thing, I've tried to grow chrysanthemums because I thought, well, they're great for the end of the season. Yeah. Um, so um, I, I don't know. I mean, chrysanthemums are quite easy to grow, as far as I know. I did get some one year, but they got so tall, and it was kind of in the August September time and I was really really busy with other stuff and like these blooming I was forever propping them up um and then just as they're coming to a flower bloody frost came and killed a lot you know well not killed them but just blackened them all um so I cut them all down put them in pots put them in the greenhouse I thought I'll try again next year and I'll have to rethink about what I'm going to do anyway I just neglected these damn things eventually they just died (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and now this this autumn I'm looking and I'm looking at pig pen flowers and I'm looking at Sarah at Nettlewood and all the beautiful chrysanthemums I've got I've got an I've got a nail chrysanthemums next year I must so would, so chrysanthemums would have your your vote then for the for the difficult flower to grow like for a bit of a diva uh, yeah I mean I, I think everybody you know you think dahlias are difficult but I think it's just it's just learning the techniques I've got to dedicate some time to learn the techniques um I think they're probably better in a polytunnel because you're going to, you know, have them flowering late in the season. So, yeah, I've just got to think about how I'm going to do it. But, uh, yeah, that's my uh, to-do plant next year's master chrysanthemum. And so on the flip side of that, what's your easiest plant to grow? What is your fail-safe that you know you can just cut the seeds down? Right, okay. So I, I was expecting that question. So I have written... I have written down the top 10. These are my top 10 must-have flowers or, or plants for bees, okay, which I use for floristry. So the absolute number one is borage. Bees absolutely love borage. It will flower, you know, if you succession sow it, and actually because it's so established on my patch now, it just sows itself. So I have this constant source of borage that I haven't even done anything with. But... Um, so borage will start flowering quite early, um, April, May, and we'll go on. I've still got borage and flower in the garden now, even though we've had a couple of light frosts. So borage is my number one. Um, then going through the list, napita is just brilliant, okay. which is a type of cat mint. Yeah, and you can get different different colours and different types, but just napita is something I'd probably put in my floristry buckets most of the most of the season. I've got some flowering somewhere. And actually, the leaves are really nice as well. They're sort of like silvery and they're scented. So that's a really I good know, one. Oh, yeah. I know how easy that one is to grow. I put a few small plants yeah. in the garden a few years ago, and I now have three massive plants from it. And the cats, yeah. the cats, you know, they love it. They just roll in it the year round. <laughs> so, yeah, Napita, um, Euphorbia oblongata. 
that is a yellow umbellifer, which I know quite a few florists and um, one will, in particular will be listening to this smiling, who don't like yellow. But oh. for me... <laughs> so, we know. <laughs> such a pretty flower. It's, um, it's a beautiful flower to put in a bouquet because it, it kind of forms like a scaffolding if you like that you can put stuff into so yeah euphorbia oblongata and it gets quite tall so um you know minus 60 50 60 60 centimeter stem length um so that's really popular poppies are an absolute must if you want to attract bees and butterflies they just love poppies i mean my poppy season starts in june probably goes through until mid late july um and i I have all sorts of types of poppies most of them self-sown um and it's just lovely to walk through the poppy bed and just it's just alive everything you know you can hear it buzzing with all these little bees buzzing away so that's really nice um so yeah, poppies always popular. And actually, I found last year they were really popular with weddings because um, I, I think because I live in Surrey, I get quite a lot of military weddings, and I I get a lot of requests. Well, can you put poppies in the bouquet, or can we have some poppies in the buckets? And actually, although poppies don't have a long vase life, when they're used in a wedding, they're perfect because um, I try and pick them when the buds are just cracking and sear them. And so if a florist is picking up for me on a Thursday. She can be pretty confident putting them into a bouquet. They'll hold for the wedding day. um, Or if they're in the sort of, you know, little table designs, little bud vases, they'll hold. um, And then probably by the Sunday, Monday, they're they're done. The petals are off. So they are a short-lived flower, but they're they're nice for weddings. Some of those lovely grey-coloured ones and then a really grey-pink as well, Vic. So we'll try them. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And there are, there are different types of poppies. So obviously you've got the, you know, the Shirley poppies, which is grey, grey ones are. Um, you've got the Icelandic poppies, which are those really big blousy ones, which are really pretty. Um, but I also grow a lot of California poppies. I can't pronounce the proper name. It's Eschelosia or something like that. But they are really fun, actually. They're sort of like long twiddly stems, little poppy heads. The flowers actually last probably better than the other poppies in, in water. Mm. um but again they start seed so they're just literally they start they start flowering probably mid-may and I've still got some a few poking through uh you know this uh, sort of undergrowth in the in the garden now so um they're good long lasting and they're, they're quite robust they, they quite like our climate so yeah poppies the next one um is uh is a perennial agastache okay. which has these sort of tall spires of pink or purple flowers which again absolute bee favorite they love it you you know when it starts it comes into flower probably mid to late july and will flower right through up till the end of september Um, and you can just pick and pick and pick from that and it's a lovely it's got a lovely scent to it um it's like an aniseedy licoricey smell um but the flowers are so pretty and so structural and they dry really well as well. So if you, you know, if you pick them in flower and, and hang them up and dry them, they're really nice. Um, Verbena bonirensis, obviously, everybody has to have that in their garden because that's just a bee and butterfly magnet. Um, sedums, that's another one. Really lovely. Um, and I, I love those in bud, actually. 
they're really pretty and they come in different colors so you've got the you know the, the purple emperor which is that lovely deep burgundy um and that starts flying sort of late july august september um so it really sort of suits those early autumn bouquets um Cerinthi is a, that sort of bluey bluey green tall wiggly stemmed with little tiny little purpley bell flowers on the end um and that to see that when you go and pick that in the morning and it's just all the bumblebees are hovering around and got their bum sticking out the flowers <laughs> just love it um, so yeah Cerinthi's lovely um so how, how many have I given you now oh, I've got Eryngium and Echinops, those are the last two. Eryngium and Echinops. So again, they're great. Yes, Eryngium and Echinops or Echinops. So Eryngiums are those sort of like little thistly flowers. And again, you know, if you dry those, or you can use them fresh as well, they make a great scaffolding for a bouquet. So if I put a two or three stems of those, you can, you know, you can weave your flowers into that. And that's actually, I think that's just nicer than using piece of plastic or a bit of chicken even a bit, bit of chicken wire you know you, you can use the eryngium as your base to weave in your flowers that's a really good idea and really popular really popular for buttonholes and, and bridal bouquets you know then sort of scottish heritage they quite like something thistly so i i use eryngiums a lot and they dry really well i, I love it an- uh, and the etching on yeah Echinops are brilliant. I love them. They're so pretty. I mean, they're pretty when they come into buds, so they're like tight green buds, little balls, um, and then they open up into flowers. So they're these lovely blue or, or silver ball flowers. Um, but if you dry, if you dry in um, Echinops, they they dry really well. But the, the key to to drying them is to pick them when they're still in bud and they haven't flowered. Um, so they hold their little, you know, flowers together. Otherwise, if you let them flower and then pick them and try and dry them, they just fall apart. Because once the flowers open, the bees come and take the the pollen and the nectar, and then the, the flower's done its job. So it just basically disintegrates after that. So it's important if you're going to dry echinops to do them before they flower. Um, and they 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 look really pretty. And I'm actually using them a lot in my wreaths at Christmas. Oh, uh, oh, your wreaths are gorgeous. So good. Thank you. I haven't actually done this many this year yet. Um, I've got a few orders. I haven't done a lot because um, my my son's just moved into a house and um, he's he's autistic and he's got um, uh, sort of you know various issues going on. Um, but he does he quite enjoys the garden. So we've just bought, got a house for him with a completely blank canvas garden because it's a new build. So I've been I'm working on that at the moment and I'm trying to plant it up with all bee friendly flowers and lots of grasses with texture. So it's very mindful and it'll be a nice place for him to sit in the summer and also look out out onto from the from the house. So uh, I'm busy with that this month and next month. Um, so I've got to think, OK, right, I need to put some time so I'll start doing my reads. I did a few a couple of weeks ago with the dried stuff. Um, but, yeah, I should be. I'm waiting for it to rain, actually. This sounds ridiculous. I can go get started on my on my uh, my reads and stuff but I really enjoy making them I love making them and I try and do them as as sustainably as possible so absolutely no plastic no foam. I try try not to use any um you know make it completely biodegradable so I use I use twine rather than wire um I mean I, I think the florist do wire they do degrade but I don't know I just 
I'm just uncomfortable thinking about, you know, a big ball of matted wire in my compost heap. I'm very much wanted to be sustainable. Yeah, so gar- garden twine, so natural garden twine, it works just yeah. as well. It, and it does last. It does. It's brilliant stuff. And, you know, that degrades. And so yeah. if you're doing them on those willow bases with your moss and garden twine, the only bits of wire yeah. that they use would be on the decorations, which are very easily removed before you put it on the compost. Yeah. Yeah, so I thought I, I invested in some beautiful ribbons um, from Acorn Silks. Her ribbons are just beautiful. I mean, there's so many now doing these gorgeous natural dyed. And you know, if you put one of those on, you can with just tie it on. You can you can take it off and reuse it. Um, but like you said, with you know, you can you can just bind on to a, a sort of willow base with with the twine. It, it works really well. And um, even even the dried ones, the everlasting ones, I've used twine as well. It just I think you just got to get used to it practice and then it's like anything you kind of get the technique I think that's it isn't it it's practice and changing what you use because um it's so much easier and quicker to use what you're used to you know because you'll find things yeah. slow when you change your you know when you change your um ingredients and but then you know you get yeah. it and it's in it's the norm again yeah 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 so yeah busy Busy, busy, all year round. Don't yeah. have a, you don't have a, 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 a time off just because you're not picking flowers when you're growing. It's, you know, the winter actually for me is equally as busy because I've got less daylight hours. I've got to get out there and get planting and, and sowing and, you know, potting on. So, it's, it, you know, I, I, I do love it. It's just, yeah. it's so nice and it can really keeps you in tune with the seasons. Um and yeah. I think that's why the florists actually love what we do as British flower growers. You know, they love the fact that, that, that they're just going to get something new pretty much every week, something that, you know, is in season, make the most of it for the two weeks that it's in season and that's it, it's gone for, for another year. And that's what makes it so special. I just think, you know, we're so lucky really having having British flower growers. Oh, and um, I'm, I'm, I think more and more florists are, are really kind of embracing that yeah and and i think and i think they will more and more next year as well with uh, with brexit yeah. with all this kind of crazy world that's going on i think they're definitely yeah. going to support local and british yeah all of those things yeah. um so uh last little question then what's on your on your jobs list for this week oh and also so all these things that you've just said on your top 10 list if i haven't planted any yeah. of these have I left it too late to plant some seeds if I'm putting them in a heated polytunnel? Um, no, absolutely not. I mean, you know, now is it's a good time. If you've got a heated polytunnel, you're 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 laughing. Um, I've got a little bench with a with a shop light, and I've got one of those little heated mats. And actually, I I haven't sown a lot yet. I've got I've got a lot of. I'm very lucky because I've been doing this for a few seasons. I've got a lot of self-sown stuff. So I've planted up a, I make up um, a new bed because I try and move things, not grow the same thing in the same bed every year. Otherwise, you end up with various issues. So I've, I've basically dug up a load of Olea and Ami and Larkspur and what else? Um, oh, God, brain, brain's, brain's gone blank. Well, I'm basically, what I do is I'll dig it out of the, the bed that it's self-sown when it's still quite small. Yeah. And just transplanted it into the new play, bed, more uniform. And then what's left, I'll just dig over and, and top up with compost and then, you know, plant into in the spring. But um, I, I really start sowing a lot, actually, sort of January, February in my in my little heated pot bench um, and then pot on. 
um, for stuff that is a bit more tech. So the half hardy annuals, um, but all the hardy annuals can be out now. You know, you can be out selling them now. So. Thank you so much for speaking with us, Heidi. I'm putting your name on the long list of people that we're desperate to visit. I really would love to walk through your garden and see your beautiful flowers. Let's hope that can happen very soon. We really hope that you enjoyed this episode of the Girl Flower Podcast. Please subscribe, share and review on your podcast provider and help us to reach out and connect with other florists, growers and enthusiasts.